Guys, good Monday morning. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live in downtown Charlottesville on Real Talk with Keith Smith. One of the things you'll, you'll notice in about 30 seconds is Keith Smith is not here. <laughs> he and the Smith family, extended Smith family, on vacation in St. Martin. But have no fear, Michael Guthrie is here. We have a multi-award winning broadcaster on set. You know him from Real Estate Matters. You may know him from the Kettlebell and the Salvation Army. You may know him as a diehard orange and blue fan. He bleeds orange and blue just like yours truly. You may know him as a champion of Charlottesville, Almar County, and Central Virginia. And Michael Guthrie has brought a business colleague and a friend with him in Jay Dominic. Before we get started, we'll give some props to Judah Wickhauer, the man behind the camera, who allows us to do the easy work, which is being ourselves and doing what we love, which is talking about real estate in front of microphones and cameras. Judah, if you can go to the studio camera, and I'll pass the mic to Michael Guthrie. My friend, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you back. Um, should we throw a little sports in there before we talk real estate with that Florida State uh, news from yesterday? I mean, I, I thought it was a travesty. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually dressed in black today, <clears throat> symbolic of Florida State's colors. I'm not a huge Florida State fan, although I do have a good friend who's a coach there. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously there were six teams that, that were vying for those four spots. But I just don't understand how a team that goes undefeated – uh, I think one beat three top 25 teams, uh, won their last couple of games with defense, given the fact they didn't have their quarterback. I just don't understand how they, they don't end up in the, in the group. And I uh, shared with you earlier, um, if you are on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, RG3 uh, tweeted out, I thought, a really, really good articulate uh, explanation as to what the heck uh, happened here. And, you know, we can all talk about the fact that next year it'll be different because they're 12, but that doesn't help Florida State this year at all. And uh, so, yeah, I was, I was surprised. I, when Georgia lost Alabama, obviously, I felt like they were out of the equation, uh, unfortunately. And that's the really crazy thing is that Florida State, on New Year's Day, may play the best team in the country. Right. Uh, and not even for the national championship. So it's, and uh, go into the game undefeated. Yeah. Which is bananas. Yeah. Kevin Yancey's given Michael Guthrie props, and he does the hashtag ACC Bowl boycott. Logan Wells Kalalo um, given Michael Guthrie and Jay Dominic some props. We'll get Jay Dominic in the mix. His reputation precedes itself. It's sterling and fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this man moves mountains in the mortgage business. Before we get into the nitty gritty, how about some you know introduction to Jay Dominic the man? And before we get into the the numbers, Jay Dominic. You mean my bio, my life story? Anything you want, my friend. <laughs> uh, Your win-loss record at UVA. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Go way back. Well, I've, uh, I've been in Charlottesville a long time. I've been in the mortgage business since 1987. Wow. I was, uh, <clears throat> but I came to Virginia as a student in 1979, so a long time ago there. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, stayed in Charlottesville for the most part. My wife and I moved to... Uh, the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania for a little bit, but she wanted to come back to Charlottesville and, frankly, Allentown versus it's a no Charlottesville. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, let's go. Spend a winter up there. It's miserable. So, yeah, I found myself in the mortgage business. I've I've loved it ever since. I've I, I, I've uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I've met a lot of people. I've helped a lot of people. It's changing so much over the many years. I was joking. Uh, at the Green County Chamber of Commerce, that uh, I've been doing this so long, I've become the guy that always says, "Back in the day," you know, so I'm always comparing something to what things used to be. Is like, well, you know, this is the way it is now, but back in the day, we used to do this. So you don't even know back in the day, brother. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's uh, it's been a while. Uh, you know, you precede me by a couple of years, but not too much. <laughs> Don't act like you're that old. <laughs> um, so I'll get out of your way, gentlemen. You guys are the experts. How do you characterize uh, today's real estate market? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what we want to do today, right? We want to we want to talk about the real estate market. I mean, you know, Keith and and you guys uh, do do this a lot, um, but I think I think it's important for people to just continually get a, a, a feel for where things are and. And where I come from is, um, you know, trying to give a little bit of alternative perspectives as to, to what's happening out there. You know, the standard, how many, whole, you know, uh, how many less homes sold in the quarter and all those kind of things, those are all really good. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's about how it's impacting people, uh-huh. right? 
And, um, and one of the things that I've been talking about, you know, on my show and, and just throughout the community is, um, you, you know, there's a real trickle-down effect in regards to what's going on, right? And we'll get into the interest rates. And, yeah, it's great that the interest rates are coming down. But in some ways, um, that's I- I- exacerbating what the next couple, three months are going to look like. Uh, from my perspective, and we'll, and we'll get into that. But from, from the trickle-down aspect of what I'm talking about is when you look at um, the number of the less number of homes sold in 2023 compared to 2022, I think the last number I saw was, it was like a 2,000-number 2, 2, difference, right? That's a lot of homes. When you think of a median price of 350, or if we take out new construction, you know, 320, 330, whatever, times that. That's a, that's a lot of volume, one, that's impacting realtors right. from a standpoint of, of their livelihood, right? And, uh, and then, but people forget, you don't stop there. You stop at the mortgage guys yeah. and gals. You, 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 you stop at the title companies. 2,000 less homes, that's 2,000 less closings. Home inspectors, appraisers. Home inspectors, appraisers, uh, insurance people, all of these people, you know, there are 2,000 less homes that people have not, you know, Lowe's, Best Buy. I mean, it just goes on and on in regards to how much this, this impacts things. And, and so, yes, we, we understand what the Fed has done and, and why they're doing it. But Lawrence Yoon was here a couple, three months ago uh, at the Charlottesville Association of Realtors, and I asked him the question, do they get it? Do they understand that this isn't just about interest rates? This is about people's livelihoods. And, and when it goes down all the way down there, that's, that's to the person on the floor at Lowe's or the floor at Best Buy or, or whatever the case may be. And, and he said, you know, the problem is the Fed, it's all about the numbers. You know, they don't, they, it's, they're just tunnel vision in the numbers. And they, they yeah, I, hopefully they're thinking about, you know, people, but in their work, it's probably not impacting their salaries. It's probably not impacting their uh, ability to live the life, you know, that they want to live. But but for a lot of people, you know, we've all heard that, you know, we've seen that bumper sticker. And, you know, again, we're going to probably see it again here soon where, with realtors saying, just give me one more good up market. I promise I won't waste uh, what I made in the last one, right? Because... This kind of came pretty quick, even though it's been coming, it's been a year or so, right? It came pretty quick that the brakes got, you know, the brakes were put on in a very quick way that I think was abrupt and, and a lot of people hadn't planned for. Betsy Hill Nugent, welcome to the program. Dean Russell, hello. Cindy over at Keswick, welcome to the show. Jay Dominic, jump in the mix, and he's talking the supply chain of real estate. I mean, you're talking advertisers, you're talking the fine properties magazines. I mean, it's... Who said this? It was, um, I think it was, it was Lisa Sturdivant, the chief economist of Bright, the number two driver for economic GDP in the Commonwealth was real estate. Government contracting was one. Real estate was number two. So this is clearly um, impacting communities with many different layers to the onion. We'll start open-ended. Um, your thoughts on what Michael said and, and where we may be going. And Jay, let me give you one quick Sure. You know, add on to that. You talk about the fact that it's not just about the 2,000 homes for you. Talk about the fact that how many of those homes, because of the area that we're in, were bought for cash for whatever reason. And that leaves you out of the, the, the lenders out of that equation as well. Right. The number of cash buyers <clears throat> starting in 2020, when things got really crazy, jumped considerably. And the reason behind it was... Nobody was willing to accept a contract saying, I'll, I'll buy your house, but I have to sell my house first. So people were coming up with all sorts of ways to come up with the cash. Where all this cash came from, who knows? But, but primarily it was people tapping into retirement plans, early inheritance, we'll call it, gifts, liquidating investments, stuff like that, because they had to win the contract. And those contracts were getting crazy as far as the bidding goes. I've seen some crazy things that I would never recommend somebody buy. I use this example a few times because it's relatively recent, but I had a young lady who was trying to buy a house in the uh, Fry Spring area, and the house was offered a little under 400. She offered uh, like 460, escalation clauses up to 460, uh, a three week closing, 
no home inspection, and if the appraisal came in at the asking price instead of the, the final price, she was still going to buy the house. And she did not even win that contract. I mean, yeah. what else do you have to do? But, if, but cash is king, so if an investor or somebody comes in and says, look, I'll, I'll pay cash for it, then sellers typically want to jump on that. Uh, Keith gave us this stat. I'll throw it to you. Year-to-date, um, existing, not new construction, but existing homes, um, anything 850000 and above, roughly half of the homes, 850000 and above, were cash buyers. Yeah, and I think the other thing in regards to what Jay said, it, it, he's absolutely right, to win the contract. So a lot of parents were paying cash. And then the kid, having a you know, year from now, the kids will refinance and do, do their own thing or whatever. So that added into it. You've got people that, you know, want to be insured also. They live in San Francisco, New York, whatever, where they've made big money, right, sold their houses and have moved here so that they can pay cash. And, they, and they're in the, you know, financial stratosphere, if you will, that they don't care what, what uh, it, it, it's valued at. They just want that and they're going to pay cash. Uh, you know, good example. My brother. This was years ago, but he sold his house in Arlington for a, a, a lot of money. You know, little Sears Craftsman home in South Arlington. Sold it and went to Richmond and 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 paid cash for a house that was almost half of what same square footage, but almost half, not quite, but almost half of what it was that he sold his house in Arlington for. So you have people like that that are making big money in these other places, and they come here. And let's let's be real. This is a very inflated real estate market. You know, the prices that people pay here in normal cities, towns of our size, we are so off the chart because of that, because people are coming here and, and, and buying homes as a second home, as, you know, a home that they're going to retire to or whatever, that it makes it really tough. That's why this whole conversation in the, in, in our marketplace about affordability and availability is, is so critical because it, there are there are things that people don't think about that that cause that to happen even more than in other places. Kevin Yancey watching the program. He agrees with your take on Florida State. Kevin is a diehard Seminole fan. James Watson, welcome to the program. You got agents from five different firms watching you guys on the show. I, you know, I'm excited for rates potentially dropping, but does that lead us back into a buyer frenzy? With so many buyers on the sidelines waiting for rates to drop, does that lead us back into a bonanza? Uh, I don't think so. I, th- I think we'll have, obviously, more people come back into it. I've had plenty of clients who sort of hung out on the side now because things have gotten out of hand for them in the past couple of years. But along with the reduction in rates, uh, bringing in new buyers, it's also going to bring in more listings. Because there are a lot of people out there sitting around on their 3.5% interest rate and they're just not willing to sell their house. They'll make do whatever unless they have to move. They'll stick with what they have until the rates come back down. So if they get back down, I think it has to be more like in the mid-fives or something like that. I think you're going to see a lot of these people that have delayed their move jump back into it, put their house on the market, and then try to buy another one. Yeah, Jerry, I think what you just said um, you know, in regards to people waiting for the interest rate, right? That absolutely has happened. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, um, you know, I talked, talked, in fact, Jay, you were on the show, uh, on my show, and we were talking about this. And I said, if the interest rate hits eight, we're, we're, we're done for the year. Yeah. In, in, in because when seven, you know, a lot of people's lucky number seven. So yeah. seven, but when it got to eight, and, and then we had, you know, it was right before Thanksgiving, and, and you know, it was like, Okay, we know what's going to happen here. Uh-huh. And then what's happened, and Jay and I have talked about this, because everybody is prognosticating that interest rates, you, you'll see a six in front of the interest rate mm-hmm. probably within the first quarter of 2024. That's what they're saying. Right. Uh, I, what, have they come down? Where are they now? Seven and... Low sevens. Yeah, low sevens. If, if you know, a six gets in front of it. So people right now are saying, well, why... Why do I buy right now when there's nothing on the market? I'll wait until the interest rates have a six in front of them, or better yet, a five in front of them. So you have the buyers and the seasonality of right. the holidays slowing things down. I'm not so sure that I agree with Jay in regards to more listings. I, I think we've got a long, long way out uh, of, of that becoming a balance again. And the reason being is that even if the interest rates are palatable, 
Where do I go? And I, I want to take some of our show today talking about some, we've, Jay and I have talked about before, alternative ways to kind of skin that cat. Sure. When you've got somebody who's just paralyzed and fearful saying, look, I'm not going to put my house in markets. I don't know where, I don't know where I'm going to go. Yeah. I had a long conversation with two college friends. You know, we've been out of college a long time. And they were talking about there's, you know, other than Westminster and colonnades and uh-huh. independence and you name there's not really, a, you know, a, a, a community uh-huh. where somebody it isn't ready to do that yet but would like to have a, a one-level living in a, in a nice place and, and, and that kind of thing. And that you see, you see the, the appetite for it with the way White Gables has sold. Yeah. Over a million, right. you know, and, and a lot. Sure. Some of them, lot over me. Yeah. Those things have gone like that. Right. I, mean, I can't tell you how many of my friends are, are moving into, into White Gables because there's an appetite for that. Seeing that with Ednam, Ednam Place as well. Yep, yep, yep. And so, anyway, the point being is, one, there's nothing out there for somebody that's older that wants to do something a little bit different and, and reduce their footprint and that kind of thing. And then, and then, two, just, you know, they don't want to sell their house out from themselves. Jay, well, you jump in. Anywhere you want to go, viewers and listeners, you can ask questions, put your questions or your comments in the comment section of wherever you're watching the show upon, and I'll relay it live on air to Michael and to Jay. Zillow, a handful of months ago, said until rates get into that 5.5% range, a lot of the homeowners who secured the sub-4% rate um, are going to stay on the sidelines. They will weigh kind of the scales of justice, if you may, a 5 for something in the twos or low threes because they're sitting on significant equity and mm-hmm. they want to put that equity in play. But, you know, I, I 100% agree with Michael. I mean, we're in that boat um, over in Keswick. And I'm kind of looking at that 5% range here uh, before we want to put that equity in, into play here. Anywhere you want to go on this topic. Well, first of all, Michael, how dare you disagree with me? I'll <laughs> 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 start off with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I, I, there's always going to be that issue when you're transitioning markets is like, if I do sell my house, where am I going to go? But people have the same thing now, and they've had that same issue for a while uh, things, since things started getting crazy. It's like, if I sell my house, that's why there are so many people trying to buy the house, not subject to it. <clears throat> um, but, uh, but in regards to uh, waiting... Uh, I have plenty of people that sit around. To, some have been waiting for a couple of years now for a variety of reasons, can't find the right house or something like that. But, but the math doesn't work for people saying, I, it doesn't make sense for me to buy until the rates get down to 5.5%. You know, as uh, back in the day, yeah. <clears throat> when I got into mortgage business. That was 1987. 1987, the okay. fixed rates were like 12.5%. So what? So it's a relative thing. These rates now are really more normal than sure. what we've had them the past several years because they've been artificially suppressed. Right. Um, but if you think about it in terms of what you're missing out on, so if, if, if I'm sitting here and saying, well, yeah, the rates are 7.5%, say, and I really would like it 5.5%, well, you can calculate the difference in that, what that payment would be. So maybe you're paying initially more than what you would like to pay. But if you're buying a $500,000 house, say, and you figure modest appreciation of 5% fair? Yeah, 5 6%. I, yeah, this modest, is where I wanted to go. go. That's $25,000. $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25,
that equity bump is going to outweigh whatever you're paying on that monthly basis on the other thing. Plus, you're in the house that you wanted to be. You've got the you know tax benefits now. You can improve it because you're you know you're not renting. Uh, you know it's not you know, rent's not going to go up on you. And if you get a fixed rate mortgage, you know what your mortgage is going to be. And like you like like Jay said, if we get to a five and a half number, you you bought you do something now at seven and a half or whatever. In a couple of years, refinance to a five and a half and. And you're uh, at a less monthly uh, amount that you've become accustomed to over the last couple of years. So, the other thing about that, sorry, <clears throat> the other thing about that uh, waiting is people tend to look at the house they could get today at this price and say, "Well, if I was only paying five and a half percent on that, I could get this house there." But the problem is, is that equity you missed out on is increased price a year from now. So, yes, you'll have a lower interest rate. But you'll be paying on a higher sale price. Michael Plecker giving you props, Jay Dominic. All right, Michael, Michael Plecker says, Jay Dominic is one of the most knowledgeable and professional mortgage loan officers I have ever met. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Um, we got Grayson, who's watching in North Downtown, right around from the corner from us. He's got a question that you probably get three dozen times a week, if not more. <laughs> um, the rate question sure. and how they could fluctuate over the next couple of quarters in 2024. Um, we all, I mean, with the national media now being so ubiquitous and everywhere, I feel like today's consumer, and maybe you may disagree with me, I feel like today's consumer is perhaps more sophisticated or more well-read or more following of trends because the media is, such, is so readily available now in our phones, mm -hmm. on our hands. Um, this question is constantly being asked. I can't imagine how many times you get this question being an officer here. So he wants your crystal ball for the next six months. Next six months. All right. Speak into that microphone really loudly. Well, <laughs> can, we, can we hold the tape for a second? <laughs> how often do you get this question? All the time. I mean, yeah. anytime somebody's thinking about buying a house, they're getting pre-approved, something like that. What do you think the rates are going to do? Realtors ask all the time because, you know, it's a, it's a big factor here. Now, where I think the rates are going to go, I'll, I can tell you this. The predictions in general seem to be that they're going to continue to trickle down further. I think if we're talking about next year at this time, I'd say we're probably in the low sixes. So I, I think probably in six months' time, you know, something six and a half-ish, I think is reasonable. If, it, if it, it's better than that, that's fine. I mean, uh, and I'll let me digress for just a moment and talk about the Fed and how they play into this. Okay, first and foremost, it's important to understand that the Fed does not control the mortgage interest rates. Okay, they can influence them, but the rates move all the time without the Fed doing anything. You know, we had a recent nice drop in the interest rates. Did the Fed do that? No. <clears throat> something they say may influence that market, the, but, but largely the rates are decided by one thing and one p thing only, and that's the pricing on mortgage-backed securities. So that's a supply and demand thing. So when, when things are, when you see inflation, that works against you with the mortgage-backed securities because <clears throat> it's a long-term instrument. So <laughs> you don't want to uh, uh, take a position. It's like, well, the Fed stopped raising, the rates aren't going to come down until the Fed lowers the rates. You know, they, they've they <coughs> moved a ton without that, and vice versa. As a matter of fact, on a day that the Fed raises interest rates, their interest rate, it's just as likely, if not more so, that on that specific day, the mortgage rates will drop down a little bit because it seems to be the concept of stemming the inflation. So when you see bad reports out there in the economy, you know, increased unemployment, you know, lower CPI, stuff like that. Those things are all going to translate into the rates continuing to move down. And that's what we've seen recently, <coughs> just a, a, a steady stream of reports, which seems to be inflation may be under control. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think he's absolutely right. I think, you know, we'll definitely see interest rates in the sixes. Lawrence Yoon, you know, from NAR certainly agrees with that. Lauren Yoon. And again, Another really important aspect of this, going back to the supply and demand um, scenario, is I didn't know this until uh, Dave Stevens, who used to be the Undersecretary of um, uh, HUD and uh, served in the Obama administration. He was the uh, general manager at Long & Foster back in the day. Just a great guy on the real estate and uh, 
CEO or whatever they call the Mortgage Bankers Association head guy. He's, you know, he's been on both sides of the table, right, and, and understands the real estate business. And he pointed out, uh, this was a couple months ago now, that um, the average age for somebody buying their first home uh, used to be 30. Now it's like 33, 34. It's gone up a little bit. That age group over the next 10 years is the, the demographic, the highest population of people turning 33, 34 in these next five to seven years is greater than it's ever been before. So all of those people who... It's the know, perfect storm. Yeah, yeah, and all, of, all those people who maybe living with their parents or, you know, they're thinking about, they've been living with somebody, now they're going to get married, have a family, they want to buy a house, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, that was an interesting thing, just a side note, that when my daughter... Uh, uh, went to New Zealand after she finished college. Uh, we went over to visit her, and, and so many people in New Zealand live with each other until they're ready to start a family. And then they get married and find a house and, you know, blah, blah. So there'll be, she lived with, you know, like five or six people, two couples, and her and, and a couple other single people, whatever, you know, in this really cool uh, community. But the point being is, is that that demand's not going to go away. And the interesting thing, going back to what you said about the perfect storm, Jerry, is that Interestingly enough, people of my age or even younger, you know, I'm 71, so say people uh, even younger than Jay, you wow. know, yeah, late 50s, 60, you know, kind of thing, they're looking for the same house now, that, which is the first time that's ever happened. They're looking for the same house that the young couple's looking for. They don't want the maintenance anymore. Right. They want to live in a smaller footprint. They don't want to have a big yard, but they want to have a yard. And, 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 and families who want to be sort of mobile and can you know, go to the beach or go to the lake or, you know, these kind of things. They want that same thing. And so all of a sudden, that's another problem that we have is land is expensive. The cost of the dirt is expensive. You can't go horizontal and be price effective. Right. People don't want the vertical as much. Right. right? And, and oh, they, you know, they, they, sac- they compromise for the vertical. Right. They'd rather have the horizontal with the little, you know, piece of land. And uh, so that's just another perfect storm that, that, that causes the, the problems with the demand and the supply, right? Right. And specific to this area, and Jay, I'll pass it to you. Roger Voisin, I've given both you gentlemen some props right now. Roger's a good man. He's going to join us on this talk show in, uh, in a few days. You have the uh, governmental red tape, if you may. Um, Almaro County, only 5% of the county has been allocated to development with the comprehensive plan. You also have, um, I mean, let, let, let's cut to the chase. This is a pretty pretty popular and Tony area to live with folks flooding to the area. We highlight the data science school, the Paul Manning Biotech School, the 11 billion coming to Louisa County with Amazon, Northrop Grubbin pouring a few couple hundred million into Waynesboro. Folks are going to live on this side and probably and Amazon there. in Waynesboro. And, and, that's right. That's right. And let's cut to the chase. We're under inventory. You know, depending mm-hmm. on who you ask, it's millions of units nationwide. Certainly locally, we don't have a lot of, uh, you know, small and medium-sized builders that perhaps got hit real hard in the last housing crisis. They never came back to market with building houses. Uh, comments are coming in quickly here, which I'll get to in a matter of moments. I'll throw this to Jay. Um, if rates potentially are dropping to the sixes or mid-sixes um, in 2024, do we see the buyers coming off the sidelines? And do we see potentially the inspection waivers, the appraisal waivers, and people making offers well over asking price of the bidding wars again, like we saw in the pandemic. Well, I, I think when the rates come down, the buyers will come out. And uh, if the inventory is not there. I agree, there, Jay. Well, thank you, Michael. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> we agree on something here today. <laughs> but uh, these people have sort of been on the sidelines watching and waiting. And uh, believe me, I've got people that have been sort of looking at a house, can't find anything, maybe at lower level price ranges. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of demand for stuff, you know, sub 300,000. I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's going to be a, a little bit of a problem there till the inventory comes out. These people, you know, once people know that there's buyers, out, there are buyers out there, I think the, the listings will come, um, but not enough that it's going to become a, a buyer's market anytime soon. It'll still be a seller's market when things start picking up a little bit, and it will pick up in 2024. Uh, so could we see some of that craziness again? And, and believe me, it was crazy, unlike anything I've seen in 
And your career? It, yeah. Would you say that? No, I would definitely would say, say that. that. Yeah. Never. Wow. So I, I think, and Jay, I want you to come back to the alternative financing here. You know, we talk about trying to increase demand um, and, 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 and answering the question, uh, not only for Jerry, yours, and Keith's listeners, um, but, but just the overall question about how do I go about selling my home um, and, and be able to find something that I, I want to buy, right? And especially if we're in a market where it's, nobody's going to want you to come in with a contract that's contingent on the sale of the home. I mean, right. God forbid, right? And uh, so I want you to be, kind of talk about, you know, how you counsel people in that way. But, but from a real estate perspective, I, I just want folks to know that there are ways to skin that cat, right? And, and one of the best ways of doing it that a lot of people don't talk about is you're in control. Okay, hello, we're in seller's market. We have buyers that want to buy your house, lots of them, and they're going to do anything. Jay talked about it earlier in the show. They're going to do anything to win the deal, right? Why aren't more people communicating to their sellers, let's make your house that contingent, the sale of your house contingent on you going and finding a house that you like, that you could move to, and two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever the buyer's going to give you, and you again, you're in control. The person who has the gold makes the rules, right? I have the house. You want it. Other people want it. So I'm willing to accept your offer at whatever st- stupid number you're going to get. Yeah, know, with maybe you know, a rent back for 60 days. Not it, No, not rent back. It's, it's contingent on, uh-huh. on two or three weeks of me going out and now doing my own home search, uh-huh. finding the house that I can live with, yep. maybe getting through a home inspection, whatever, and coming back and removing that sale of home contingency. Yeah. Uh, and making that, that contract in full force. And in fact, if I can't find that house or I can't negotiate the deal I want on that house, I haven't sold my house from under me. I can either go back to that buyer and say, will you give me two weeks? Can we extend this? Yeah. And if they say no, then say, I'm off, I'm off the market because I'm not going to – we're totally happy here, and I'm not going to sell this house from under me and then be put in a situation where I'm in the – Motel Six, or I'm joking, but yeah, you know, yeah. in in some place temporarily until I can find something on my own. There's there's other ways of doing it, and then from an alternative financing, some of us, not all of us, there are ways to be in a position where you can go non-contingent on the house you want to buy, right, and and be able to qualify for both loans for thirty, forty, sixty days while you're negotiating all this. And, and Jay and I talk about this all the time with the agents of making sure the agents understand that there's certain people that are financially able to qualify for both loans. That way they can go non-contingent, that, that, but they're, they're still going to sell their house, but they don't have to sell their house. Sure. Right? But, but they've got financing in place that they can go non-contingent, whether they have it themselves or a family member or whatever. And then once they sell their house, they bring that money back into the equation. Right. And I've seen plenty of uh, contracts where – we're going to write a contract for cash, but we really don't want to pay cash. Right. We don't want to liquidate these things, stuff like that. And and some of them get away with it because they could put the closing out there far enough, you know, typically 45, 60 days. That gives you enough time, you know, if you've got a really desirable property. Re- sell your sell. house. Yeah, just because you say you're going to buy a, a, a cash doesn't mean you have to, as long as it doesn't delay closing or cause cause a problem. You can't go back and say, well, the appraisal came in low or something like that, or we've got a delay because we can't, you know, we've got a problem with our internet lender or something like that. Uh, but uh, We only use local lenders here. I no should, internet lenders. That's, that's I, I why he mumbled the, internet lender. Local <laughs> lenders only. Yeah. Well, I've got, I can tell a story, but I won't say it take too long, but I, I, I can tell a story about internet lending that uh, I got involved in only because I wanted to just to sort of see what it was like. Because, you know, when I was refinancing a couple years ago, I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just do it because I'm certainly equipped to do it. But, uh, yeah, it didn't go well. And, you know, the difference is, I'll just say this about it, is there is no magic secret to becoming a mortgage loan officer. Okay? You have to study and take the test so that you understand fair lending. That's largely it. doesn't mean you know what you're doing at all. Okay, and the people that are not professionals but just get a license and answering some call center, they don't know. They can't problem solve. They can't anticipate problems. I get calls all the time from people. It's like, well, you know, I I, I was pre-approved, and now a couple of days before closing, they, you know, once it gets to an underwriter who knows what the deal is, uh, 
they can't go to closing because somebody missed the boat at the beginning. So it's it's a risk. You know, some people don't want to take. It's a big investment, and you don't want to lose a house because you tried to save an eighth of percent on the internet. So I digress too far now. I forgot. No, that was good. No, no, no. But but talk about. The, the, the folks who can, you know, like the bridge loan product or that kind of thing, just so people have yeah, a, so, a little bit of an understanding yeah, about so that. Yeah, so a lot of times the people come and it's like, you know, I, I want to buy a house. I want to sell my house, but I need to make an offer non-contingent. So we got to come up with a plan to uh, either tap into the equity or just use what you have and then use that equity after to sell the house. So that's where it comes, uh, the, the part about talking to a, a trusted lender up front is important because people go off on their own thinking, well, I can do this, I can do that. And you'd be surprised how many times it happens where they, when it comes right down to it, they've done the wrong thing, you know, shot themselves in the foot and, uh, you know, they aren't prepared to perform to the contract or they think something will happen faster. But, but there are products out there where we could discuss and we'll say, well, you know, maybe this is the best way. Maybe you could just, you know, take the money out of your 401k if you're going to sell your house so fast, you know, you can, re- you can replace that money without penalty. You know, so uh, you want to look at these things. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, have you asked your grandparents? Is there a gift there? It's like, yeah, I wasn't afraid to ask. I was afraid to ask. Well, you know, sometimes that's the difference between you getting the house you want or not. You know, if you can pay cash or increase your down payment so that you qualify for both homes, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit tricky, but uh, believe me, we did it plenty over the past few years and and still doing it now uh, I had somebody oddly enough who had a contract that was con- contingent on the sale of her home and uh, she thought she'd sell it really quickly and indeed it went under contract uh, in the first weekend okay everything going forward to plan until the buyer kind of flakes out and sort of bails and now we've got to try to sell it again. And now I'm coming up with all sorts of, I mean, the numbers I've crunched trying to find a way to do this, bringing in other people as co-signers, liquidating this, paying this debt off, stuff like that. I mean, it was the convoluted plan I had <clears throat> to try to make this happen. And fortunately, at the last minute, you got another contract. So <clears throat> so we're moving forward and hopefully closing another week or so. But anyway... <clears throat> You have to plan ahead of time. It doesn't matter if you're in a position where you're selling your house uh, or you're not selling your house, you're buying a house and you know, trying to do it non-contingent. It's, it should be if I'm thinking about getting a mortgage of some sort at some point, now is the time to talk. If your decision is we're waiting till next summer, then the conversation has to be had now. On my way in here, I had a conversation with my, my clients. I've been looking for a house for se- several months. I haven't found what they want. Uh, <clears throat> but the question was, if my wife and I change our jobs, how will that affect the mortgage? Now, that's a, that's, I'm glad he had the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. the thought because it would have fundamentally changed their qualifying. <clears throat> um, but people will go on their own with, I'll, I need to work on my credit for a little bit. Are you doing the right thing? I need, I'll change this job because I'll make more money. Are you going to make more money? You may make more money, but you may not qualify with more. So the calculation of what gets counted, you know, if you go to a job, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm making twice as much money. I got this great commission schedule. Your income has qualified, qualifying income has gone to zero because you don't have a long enough history of this that over time. So <clears throat> the time to talk to a lender doesn't mean you have to apply and, and, get locked into something. It just means you have a conversation, a consulting, so that you, you can make an intelligent plan moving forward. Yeah, and I think the other thing, uh, Jerry, that Jay's talking about is uh, there's also, you know, portfolio lenders, which yeah. Jay isn't, but, uh, you know, somebody like um, Yasek Walicki over at V&B, you know, they, they can do things in a different way because they be holding the mortgage or whatever the case may be. Or the other thing that, that I encourage folks is, uh, if they do think they're going to sell their house in the next year or two, and, and let's just uh, you know assume that it's going to be a frenetic market, right? Um, to go ahead now because the the, the lenders are, are making you know good deals on it to to get a home equity line in place, 
um, way ahead of time, that you've got the, the, the equity line in place so that when you go to Jay and whatever, it's substantiated and whatever, but you're in a position, not everybody, but you're in a position at that point to use that money uh, to put down on a house so that maybe you can do the two you know, non, you know, the non-contingent and then selling your house, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, shout out to, uh, to Mike Peter's wife, Kathy, uh, for citizens, right? Jay is, which she uh, just retired. Oh, never mind. She just <laughs> retired, but she was incredible. I mean, she was the yes. go-to person for Jay, uh, as it related to, you know, uh, home equity lines and you don't have to use that money. You just have it available and, and going again to talking about real estate and investment, uh, you buy, you know, uh, Jay and I went last year to the UVA Real Estate Club, and we talked to probably about 50 uh, university students. And they've been talking about commercial and return on investment and, you know, triple nets and all these kind of things. And we just talked about buying a house. And, and the guy who runs the thing said it was the most informative and interactive session they had had in the time that they've been doing the Real Estate Club because it was about them uh-huh. and about them buying their first house and renting out two or three rooms you know, and having other people pay their mortgage, yep. building up the equity, then getting a home equity line, and then staying in the house and buying something else. You know, just the, the way that you can do that very simply and as long as you're thinking ahead. And, you know, we, we, we didn't get out of there. I mean, they usually only go for an hour, hour, 15 minutes. We were there for two hours because people coming up to us and talk about, now tell us again about making a business proposal to our parents, you know, that we'll do this shared equity thing together and, you know, those kind of things. And so a lot of people just don't, Going back to what you said, Jay, about lenders having a license, but they don't know the business. That's the same thing with real estate. Sure. Your real estate license, 120 hours, and, and you get all the, you know, being able to check the boxes and get all the right answers. But when you get that person out of that with a license, you start from scratch with them in regards to teaching them what it means to be in real estate, understanding all the different ways that people can do things so that you can be the person the go-to person that it can help them make that kind of decision. And, um, and, and again, everybody has to start somewhere, right? And so, again, if you're thinking about the real estate business, you know, That I, question's coming in okay. uh, from Kelsey. Walk us through how someone becomes a real estate agent, just literally in the feed. And Woody Fincham, the appraiser, says, passing an exam does not make one an expert. I see it all the time in the appraisal business. And he says both Jay and Michael are top-notch guys. So the, the viewers and listeners right on point with us. She wants to know how you go about getting a real estate. Yeah, so mad respect for Woody. Yeah. Uh, Woody is just so good uh, in what he does and uh, – and, and and is a reasonable guy, you know. Some appraisals appraisers, you know, they they quite honestly they they're on an ego trip. It's all about them. They can they can make or break a deal, that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm just really grateful for Woody and his investment at, at Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. A lot of people don't know he's on the board on there, the board. Uh, which I'm really grateful for. But um, but going back to the question uh, from from Kelsey's standpoint. Um, you know, the, all, what I would encourage you to do is, is uh, go to Mosley, M-O-S-E-L-E-Y, real estate. Just go Google Mosley Real Estate. I think they're the best. There are a lot of them out there, but I think they're the best. You can go online uh, and, and, and do that class, or you can sign up for an in-person class. And, and there are some um, local in-person classes. I think S. Lisa Herndon. She's a teacher. Yes, who's the president of CAR. She teaches the principal yeah. class. I'm pretty sure that, um, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh! Hang on a second. Um, Russ, Russ Burns okay. uh, teaches it um, uh, over at Remax, so you can take it in person. That doesn't mean you have to go to those companies. You may decide to do that, or you could, you know, go to Mosley and they have some uh, other alternatives. But the point being is, you're going to take 120 hours, and just understand it's 120 hours to then be able to regurgitate everything you learned on on the state and national test. Yeah. Once you pass that test. Interestingly enough, it gives you a key to take another test. Right. And the other test is done by PSI, uh, which is kind of, if you remember you know, your, your college boards, you know, uh, it's that kind of company that, that takes care of all that nationally. You go into this little place and you do your thing, and, and at the end of the day, you find out whether you pass or fail. The interesting thing about that is they don't tell you if you pass, they don't tell you by how much. But if you fail, they tell you by how much. There you go. So you know that you only missed by three or four or whatever, but you might have made it by three or four. You don't know that. You could have gotten 100. You could have gotten 80. But anyway, the key then, and this is a really important part, Kelsey, is now you, you've gotten yourself to a place of, okay, what, what do I want to do with that real estate license, right? 
And it may be that you just want to have it uh, initially just to, um, you know, to have it. You're not, not expected to go in the business. Well, a lot of companies offer what's called a referral company where you can activate your license there. You're not having to join car and all those things. But if you know people are thinking about buying or selling, um, you can call them and, and, and uh, you can call your company and they'll refer them to an active agent and you get paid a referral fee. So it's like supplemental income. And one of the things I tell people if they're, they've got a job and benefits and stuff and they're not ready to you know, go call Turkey, I say go into the referral company, start finding out if you're good, if you've got big ears. Uh-huh. I'm in uh, Shenandoah Joe's this morning. Uh, on Ivy Road, meeting with a friend, and uh, uh, and I heard the the if I hadn't been meeting with a friend, I heard the um, what do they call the, the barista? Thank you, the yep. barista say, "Well, I'm not a real estate expert." Well, my ears were big enough that I heard that. Now, if I hadn't been meeting with somebody, I would have gone over and said, "Well, some people think that I'm a, somewhat of a real estate you expert. Are. How can I be of help?" Yeah, right. And who knows? That person may we're going to sell a house someplace or whatever. Point being is, as a referral agent, you just create a business account, a real estate account, and every referral goes in there. You don't touch it. That's not your day-to-day money. That's not your, uh, you know, it could be for emergency and stuff, but it's not your vacation money or whatever. It's there to build up a, a, a treasure chest, if you will, so that then if you decided you wanted to go cold turkey, you have the money in place to say, okay, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to go do this. But But beyond that, what I encourage people to do is to talk to their friends and say, you know, who do you respect in the marketplace, um, companies and agents. And then I would go, if you've got time, I'd go around and have coffee with a bunch of people and just say, why would you get in the business? Why are you with the company you're with? And then narrow it down to like three companies that you've heard good things about, and then I'd go interview uh, at those three companies and, uh, and have them talk you through what it's going to look like if you decide to come here. Because here's the thing. The important thing, Kelsey, and anybody else is interested in this, when you do this, you are not going to work for somebody. You are starting your own real estate business. You know, even though you're brand new, you are starting your real estate business. In my opinion, your attitude should be, I'm giving you the privilege of opening my real estate business under your umbrella. And so I want to hear about your umbrella and how that umbrella is going to help me grow my business. And anybody that's been in the business for a long time, Jerry, you see it all the time with the different people you have on the show, Keith and Yona, you know, Mike Plecker, you know, whoever it might be, Caitlin Mancini, all the different people that you've, you've had on the show. At a certain point, it's about the agent. It's no longer about the company. Right. And my mindset always is about we want to create a foundation for you and we want to get you to the place that people are calling you versus calling because you're with our company. Uh-huh. Now, we got to stay and continue to provide the things that want to have people stay with us. But at the end of the day, somebody's calling you, whether you're at VMV Brands Real Estate or, uh-huh. or Joe Schmo Real Estate, whatever, they're not calling about Joe Schmo, they're calling about you. Absolutely. Right? And so the important thing is to get with the right kind of company and then this is my bias, right? And other people feel differently, but my bias is you want to go with a company that has an incredible training program. Uh-huh. That the companies that, that say, you know, we're small, we're going to get this, you know, in-person sort of experience and that kind of thing, and that's all well and good. But if, if the people that are doing that get busy uh, or go on vacation or whatever, um, all of a sudden you got nobody there. And so you want to, I personally think, at least initially for the first couple of years, you want to go someplace where you're getting trained a couple times a week and then sent out to apply it and then coming back in, right? And um, we have people at Howard Howard, that I'm grateful for this, I have brokers and agents from around the, the marketplace that refer people to our company because their company doesn't do that. And they say, this is what you need to do. Now, my job is once they decide to stay with, come with us, I got to keep them from the person who referred me stealing them back after sure. we get them all trained and, and up and running. Yeah. But from you know, Kelsey, your standpoint, it's a, it's very easy to go through the 120 hours, especially online. You can do it at your leisure. Um, you you can you do the take the test. Mosley offers a one day prep to teach you how to take the test, which I I certainly did myself. I knew that that's the way I would learn it better. Um, and then it's just about you know finding the right place for you in regards to how you want to do your business. Um, Jay, we want to weave you into the mix. Michael, that was fantastic. Um, we'll highlight some of the viewers and listeners that are watching the program right now. Michael Guthrie is a uh, popular guy, and he's getting some love on his Facebook page right now from your friend, William Conrad Jones. Oh, yeah, uh, man. Who rad? William Conrad Jones watching the program. Jay Dominic getting some love right now as well. 
um, from his buddy, Robert A. Jones, watching oh, the program Robert. right now. Um, so here's a good one for Jay, and we've heard this term over the last six to ten months, more than maybe I've ever heard it um, in my time hosting these shows and doing real estate myself, the assumable mortgage. <laughs> Multiple folks are asking about the assumable mortgage. It's becoming part of the vernacular, but it's far from... Um, far from easy and what, far from popular. It's far from what it used to be back in the day, Jay. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Thank you, Spencer, for that topic. I'll bring it up with Jay now. Okay, so here's what assumable mortgage means. is I've got a mortgage on my house. It's got a certain rate attached to it. And if you want to buy my house, you're allowed to take over my mortgage, my payment, my rate, and the remaining term. So in a lot of cases, at different times, that's a, a heck of a thing. And right now, it could be. So for instance, suppose I've got a, a rate of 3.5% on my mortgage. It's an asset right now. Right. My house now is more attractive because I can pay half the interest rate than you would get on the open market out there. But here's the problem. <clears throat> there aren't as many types of loans that are assumable as there used to be. And you have to jump through some hoops. Now, when I first got in the mortgage business, if somebody had an FHA loan, and there were a lot more back then, somebody could come in, even an investor, and say, I'll take over your mortgage. Okay, off we go. You, you just have to pay the difference between what they owe and what the sale price is. And there was no qualifying, nothing. And so <clears throat> that didn't last but so long. <laughs> And they phased that out in the early, uh, late 80s and early 90s. So if the average person has a conventional mortgage on here, it's not assumable. Okay? But I always advise realtors, when you're taking a listing, you know, find out what kind of financing they have. You might be surprised that they've been sitting on an FHA loan or a VA loan or a USDA loan. All of those types of loans, those government loans are assumable. So it could make your house even more marketable. I, would I be willing to pay more for a house with 3.5% interest rate with only 25 years remaining on the mortgage? You know, so right away, even more of my payments going towards principal. Yes. <clears throat> the only problem we've had, uh, I mentioned the, the young lady who had a house that was contingent on the sale of her home. Uh, she had an assumable mortgage, but there's a limited number of people who are going to come in with that kind of cash the difference, pay the difference. Uh, so <clears throat> two things about assumability is uh, you have to remember that, that somebody has to come up with the difference in cash between the sale price and the mortgage balance. They have to qualify for the mortgage. So in this case, she had a USDA loan. Not only do they have to qualify from an income and debt standpoint, they have to be uh, eligible under USDA guidelines, i.e. income limitations. <clears throat> so uh, so it could be a plus out there for the, for the right people. It's certainly worth looking at because somebody might be coming in. Uh, suppose suppose I've got an FHA mortgage and I've got $100,000 in equity. Somebody might be coming in thinking they're going to get a conventional loan with a large down payment. You could say, hey, rather than getting a conventional loan, it's seven and a quarter or whatever. Why don't you take my 3.5%, even though it's got mortgage insurance on it, still effective interest rate is way less. You know, so you can go ahead and assume that. So uh, assumability in, is, is nice. Sometimes it's nicer, but it's certainly w worth looking at and worth asking about if somebody has a government short loan. And I would say, Jerry, just in the last month or two, uh, beginning to see uh, realtors using that in their listing marketing. I've that, noticed that as you well. You know, effect of 3.5% rate, 4% rate. And if nothing else, it, it's, it's an attention getter. You know, people are going to go look at that house for that reason. I may not be the house for them, but but again, um, it's it's a it's a great thing. You know, from uh, from an agent's bank. And Jay's absolutely right to you know to talk to the lender about well, what kind of finance do they have? Because there may but there are hoops that have to be jumped through. It's not like the old days for sure. And there's funding fees and 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 different things like that 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 go there's along. There's costs with associated it. with yeah. it and it, time. Yeah, and time. Um, if I could switch gears for a minute, please, Jerry, please. Going, going to something that, that Kevin commented about the, the taxes and the assessments, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing, right? And it's something that I've been, you know, sort of, you know, beating the table on for a, for a good long while about uh, folks who have lived in this city for a long time 
you know, maybe handed down from one family to another, whether it be Belmont or 10th and Page or, or wherever it might be, and somebody comes in and takes a house next to them and, and, and upgrades it and, and, and increases the value. Good for them, right? But bad for the people next door. Gentrification. Because of the, uh, because of the fact of the, the tax assessment to the point that somebody may freely own their house and yet they can't pay the, the real estate taxes because as a million-dollar property goes up next to them, and, and this, you know, this is not for this show, and hopefully next week when I'm subbing for Keith again, we'll talk more about what happened at the public hearing on the 5th. You know, it's, today's, what, the 4th? Yeah, yeah so tomorrow. it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's the, pub, yeah. the, pu- the, pu- the public hearing on, on the, the draft the, zoning ordinance. On the draft zoning ordinance. Yeah. And, and there's a, my, my issue with it is I, I, I think that, that not enough data has still been in place. There, there's reason, I can see reasons on both sides. And, you know, on my show, I had Neil on, who, you know, Neil Williamson, who's guest on your show. Sure. Very reasonable, you know, and, and I had him on talking about it. And then um, yesterday or Saturday, I had a guy by the name of Ray Van Duren on the show, who's a neighbor in the Rugby Avenue, Rose Hill Drive area. Who's opposed to the DCL. Who's opposed to it. But, yeah. I mean, he has really good reasons, you know, to be opposed to it. And so my point on all this is, hey, guys, you, everybody's got to get engaged. You may be for it. You may be against it. But sometime in the near future, it's going to happen, and your chance of having a voice is over, right? And so I've been trying to offer, you know, different perspectives so people could, could hear about that. But, but the main issue that I have is this whole aspect of the people that already live in these places, and all of a sudden a three-level, six-unit place comes in next door and increases their value. And it's not their fault that it happened, right? It's not their fault, but, they, but they're going to pay for it. And so from my standpoint, I'm not talking about people who have been here five, ten years, but I, you know, my thought has been, and I know there's some tax, tax breaks in the city, but, but my thought has been is somebody that can verify that it's been in their family for 50 years or pick a number, right? And I guess this is where we get back into the CFP for a minute. Okay, well, I've only been 45 years. I don't get it because you picked 50. Uh, I get that. You know, some people being left out. But my point being is grandfather those people. Your taxes are not going up anymore until you sell it, and the next person buys it. The next person buys it, they go on to the effective tax rate. And I just think that just be a simple thing to do because the house that's being built next door is going to offset what these people are, are, are having or not having to pay. Uh, and so that just in regards to you know, something that, that Kevin asked about you know, the tax assessments. I'm not sure what he meant about complimentary possession. Did you understand uh, that? I did. He was okay. talking about uh, complimentary seller possession is when you uh, negotiate uh, the sale of your house but have, and Jay, you can correct me, I believe legally you're up to 60 days oh, where back. you can rent back. Mm-hmm. Any day over 60 days, um, then it's going to make it a little bit hairy with the mortgage. Exactly. Uh, In uh, order for a, a mortgage to be considered owner-occupied, you have to occupy within 60 days. Bingo, bingo. So we'll, we'll, we'll close with an hour goes by when you guys are having fun here. And we, had, uh, we, we have more questions, which I'm going to try to throw to you rapid fire. I would love to get, before we get off topic and go rapid fire, Michael's take on the DZO and how upzoning is going to impact Charlottesville. If you had a crystal ball... Do you think it's going to breed the affordability? And Neil is watching the program. Do you think it's going to breed the affordability that a lot of folks, Neil, for instance, is, is suggesting? So I'm going to probably get in trouble here. Okay. But I don't think it is. I don't think it will at all. Uh, I, yeah. I, I honestly, I understand the intention is right. Yeah. The intention is absolutely right. The, we talked about it before, supply and demand. The more available, right? But when you take uh, a, a scenario that, you know, uh, uh, a lot and you – Break it down into you know four or six units. It's more valuable. It's more valuable, yeah. but also there there's the affordability component to it that one or two of those have to be, uh, you know, at the uh, was it AIA, AMI AMI yeah, area median income. Yeah, it's got to be area yeah. median. The developer has to offset that into the other units. Right. Right. And 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 that's where I feel like I may be wrong, and I'm I'm absolutely ready to be proven wrong. But I that's the data that I haven't actually seen yet that 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 kind of thing is going to change the affordability aspect it may have, it's definitely going to change the availability but it's not going to and the other negative side to that is as that goes up not only is the affordability so the neighbor has a higher tax rate and again neil you can you can you know tell me i'm wrong or anybody else can tell me I'm wrong but now that neighbor has a three-story building behind him you know they're 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 the what the view or the aesthetic aspect of where they lived is changed, and uh, and I just I just have some 
I'm not saying that it, it doesn't need to happen. I absolutely need to see it happen. But, you know, Ray, Roy made a really good point on Saturday. Why not expand this to the county and to the university and bring everybody in? And the university, you know, with the, the leasing of the land that they're going to do, that's going to be a huge thing if we can make that happen. But could, why can't this be part of, like, adding a little bit more growth area to the county, you know, and, and so that there can be some more availability and creating uh, affordability and not just certain neighborhoods um, being put in this place. I, I do believe that, and I, I don't really believe Roy's in this situation, but there are people that I think are, um, what's the thing, um, it's, a, it's fear-mongering kind of thing that, oh, you, you know, you're going to have 7-Eleven next door to you. Sure, or you're going to have you know, this next videos. to you. And, and parking, you know, I mean, one of the things in the zoning is that uh, Rugby Avenue, you don't be able to park on one side of the street. And I thought Roy's had an interesting perspective. You know, we're talking about a city that's trying to, you know, be green. Are you going to borrow your next-door neighbor's, elect, uh, you know, uh, extension cord to plug in your electric car <laughs> because you can't park on your side of the street anymore? I mean, there are a lot of things that are going into this. And, and I want to say this again. I think everybody's intent is right. Yeah. I think our, our, our city and our counties and our community want there to be affordable housing. They want there to be accessibility. I just think that some of these things, even though it's been going on for a long time, I'm pre-COVID almost, right, when the uh -huh. consultants first came, I just think there's some answers that haven't been, uh, questions that haven't been answered yet. Christopher Ketchum, given um, Michael some props, he's a Howard Hanna team member right there. Jamie Clark, um, a Howard Hanna team member, given uh, Michael some props as well. Um, we'll wind down with this. This is an interesting topic. Why don't we close with this? What are the panelists' predictions for the 2024 real estate market in comparison to a year that's transpired recently? Well, well, well 2024, Jay, we'll start. Close with this here. Well, 2024 in a comparison. Year. I hope I'll be able to agree with you. Well, I, I hope so too, because it's going to be positive. <laughs> well, as the real estate market goes, so goes the mortgage market, unless sure. we're in a refinance thing, which Hopefully we can see some of that too, um, but but compared to 2023, I expect 2024 to be noticeably better. With units sold, volume you're talking. Mm -hmm. Okay, but certainly not affordability though. No, I don't see how that's. Uh, I don't see a, a affordability changing a whole lot. Um, uh, only a slightly with the. With, if the interest rates do come down, but but the prices, I don't I don't see a mechanism. We're not going to see a recession. We're not going to see a drop back in values. No. People are waiting. Some people are waiting for that too. It's like I'll wait till the property values come That's down. That's not. I keep saying that to people. It's That's not, not going to happen around here. Two thousand six is not going. It's not going to happen. That was a whole different yeah. thing that caused two thousand six, two thousand seven. That doesn't exist anymore. Totally. There's not going to be a bubble it's not going to crash there's nothing like that in the offing so so i i think the rates are going to come down a little bit i think there's going to be more properties on the market i think there's going to be more buyers uh there's plenty of buyers out there now that'll take those uh and jump in so i, I do think that it's going to be better it's not going to be like it was the year before last or anything like that but so I, you don't I think see any it, comparison to 2021 insanity 2022 early 2022 no, not that kind. Not that kind of crazy insanity. Okay. I think it'll be a little nuts. I, let's let's circle it's back to where we were earlier in the show. Sure. Right. Since we're closing up. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to see uh, a better market in 2024. Why? Because interest rates are going to be in the sixes. Uh -huh. Why? Because that's going to cause more people who have been on the fence waiting to come back into the market. It will create some you know, uh, multiple contracts and things like that. I think we'll you know, we will see that. But because of that, um, you're going to see an increased amount of sales, right? And, and, and you're going to see increased amount of volume because I agree with Jay as well and you that we're going to continue to see a, a conservative. We're not going to see 10, 15% appreciation, but we're going to see 5, 6, 7% appreciation. Uh, and so, the, and, but, but with the interest rate being at 6.5, you know, even though we've already talked about this in the show, it doesn't matter. In the psychological aspect of things, that that okay, it's at six and a half percent, so that I can afford that five to it six percent. It makes an impact, and yeah. therefore, I think the momentum that's going to happen into the first quarter will continue on. And especially if everybody's saying right that by the end we'll be maybe in the low sixes, and by twenty twenty five we're back in the fives. Time will tell. You 
Jeff on? Yeah, great. You're great, Jeff. I, I, I always have feel comfortable sitting around talking. <laughs> Somebody said, hey, come on and speak to this. It's like, what do you, what's the topic? It's like, I don't know. We'll just we'll wing it. So, <laughs> you did great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Jay Dominic, guys. He's fantastic. Michael Guthrie is a pro's pro. Um, maybe a sneak peek of what you have planned for your second uh, iteration of Real Talk? I, I'm hoping that we're going to, if I can get the right people, I'm hoping that we're going to have a conversation about the zoning, uh, and as it nice. relates to the public hearing, what people heard at the public hearing, it, did it move the needle in, in any way? And then also, and you may know, but you know, when when is when is this going to happen? I mean, you know, when when will the city council finally say, "Okay, we're going to vote on it in this day"? I think we're getting close. I think uh, we're getting very close. Neil Williamson thinks it'll happen before the end of the calendar year. There you go. He says more housing everywhere for everyone. Um, time will tell. Certainly, Natalie Oshrin. Uh, her term starts in January. She replaces Leah Perrier on city council. And Natalie is even more pro-housing than uh, Councillor Perrier. So some folks have speculated they may wait till next year to get Natalie Oshrin's vote and uh, take in, in on the dais. Gentlemen, this was uh, easy. Uh, you guys are fantastic. Michael Guthrie, guys. Um, Jay Dominic. Real talk with Keith Smith. For those that are wondering, Keith Smith is out for two weeks in St. Martin with his family and extended family, um, celebrating the holidays early. He is going to be back in the middle of December. But in the meantime, we got Michael Guthrie. We have Roger Voisinet. We have Woody Fincham. Uh, we have some of the best in real estate um, joining us on the program and on the set. Judah Wickhauer, thank you to you. Yeah, the show Judah. is thank you archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com and wherever you get your podcast. And the I Love Siebel Show, guys, is up in one hour. Thank you for joining us, and take care.